What a beautiful day, right? This is gorgeous. I hope you've enjoyed it. Great weekend. Well, let's just take a moment and pray. Father, every day is, is a day that is, is an incredible gift that you give us. And in that day are opportunities, all kinds of opportunities to enjoy you, enjoy other people, enjoy what you've created around us, opportunities to grow and be stretched. Father, this day, I know there's people who have come from different places in their life, some who have faced great discouragement, maybe even despair, some guys who are coming off of times of great joy, some off of a busy week or busy weekend. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Use me, I pray, as, as your mouthpiece, in a sense, to speak truth into a heart. This day we pray, in Christ's name, amen. You know, hearing truth, I've been doing this series on wisdom, and we're talking about streetwise. Uh, Proverbs is all about common sense. It's about getting wisdom. It's about hearing truth in very common and plain ways. And hearing truth and actually sharing it effectively with other people is really a skill. Sometimes we think that, that the people who are able to take in truth real well or they're able to kind of share it with someone else are, are, are the kind of people who are just gifted that way. How many of you think they're kind of like the Michael Phelps of, of truth-telling and sharing and hearing, right? And you know, they, they're, just, they're genetically just gifted, but you know you don't become a Michael Phelps without the kind of discipline that, you know, here's a guy who... I think he, he expends 8,000 calories a day in training. You don't get that good at anything without taking some basic gifts that you have. And one of the basic gifts that often people have when it comes to this idea of being able to tell someone else truth or, or being able to hear truth, and just because you can tell someone truth doesn't mean that you can often hear truth or vice versa. But some of the gifts that some people have is they, they're grown up, they grow up in a family system where they're very loved and they feel very secure and they feel very accepted. And it's amazing to me that in some systems and some families, uh, one child might get this unbelievable gift of feeling just completely loved. And they have this ability to receive and to share truth because of that sense of security within who they are. And yet, you know, what's amazing about this is that some can be in the same family and, and may not have that same sense. And so some ways we are predisposed in where we've been raised and the way that we receive and understand and, 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 and experience the love of others and the love of God. And yet at the same time, every person has to develop that skill. And what's interesting is in, in, in most people's lives, some of the greatest skills that we use throughout life are not the ones you learn in school. You don't learn it in an academic classroom. Relational skills are the kind of things you learn within relationship with other people. And where is the primary classroom? Home. Where you've been raised. And you'll repeat those patterns in relationships with friends. You'll repeat them in, in, as you grow up in a school setting. You'll repeat them as you go off into the work world. You'll, you'll, you'll repeat those kind of patterns and often find those kind of matching patterns with people that you get um, interested in and marry. And then you begin to repeat some of those things again. Unless at some point in your heart you begin to see that maybe some of the ways that you do things 
could be improved or or they're just not working. And and, and sometimes you open your heart to that. And and that's called humility. It's a form of repentance in the sense of confessing and agreeing that maybe this isn't quite right or it could be improved or, or it's not working at all. And then you open yourself up to God's truth, to Proverbs, sometimes just the common sense ways of being able to share your life with other people. Well, this last week I had the opportunity on a breakfast meeting, meeting some guys at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. And I, I, t- I told them I only probably do that about once a week. Not because I'm not an early riser, but I love that morning time to, to process and to journal and to take time before the Lord. But I met with these guys. And we met at Perkins. And, and I had the opportunity of watching what I call the skillful transaction of truth between individuals. There were seven of us, five of us from our own, from, from our church, and two from another ministry. There was an agenda that was handed out, and one of the things, the second item on the agenda, was to go over an area where there had been some difficulty between both groups. And, and they needed to kind of air some truth and, and resolve it and, 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 and then process further. But it wasn't going to be good unless we actually got that out on the table. And so as it was handed out and we went through it and and what was kind of interesting is that second point was a little bit passed over. It wasn't really maybe hit as clearly as as it could have been. And I was impressed because one individual said after we were on to like the third or fourth agenda item, you know, can we go back to two? And and it was really interesting to watch because very skillfully, very tactfully with a lot of grace. In a very non-threatening way, he put the truth on the table and said, you know, before we really go any further, we need to just kind of get this out on the table. There was, and he just said there was a broken commitment, and then there was no communication about that broken commitment. And then when we tried to resolve it and we called, we felt stonewalled. And I love it, felt stonewalled. Not you did this. And I watched this, and it was very interesting because the director of this ministry with his board member present, the two there, sat there, and it could have been one of those kind of things where there could have been a lot of tension, and, and or, you know, it could have been the Minnesota nice thing, you know, where you just kind of let it go. What was really interesting in this is it wasn't that. They sat, and they expressed it, and they put it very plainly on the table, and this director of the ministry said, you know what, I just want to own up and tell you, we made a mistake, and, and we, we blew it. We needed to do this. But what was really kind of cool on the other side of it is, even though he had made the mistake and there were some um, changes occurring in the ministry, he didn't kind of bend and say, well, we're going to do this anyway. He still held to what he believed was true with regard to their ministry. And I saw this loving, responsive, what I call a good relational kind of interaction between people. And I thought about that as I was preparing the message this week. This ability to tell someone the truth and then to watch someone receive it is what wisdom is about. It's what can be learned by each and every one of us. And I would imagine if I was to ask you to raise your hand, most all of you would say I could get better at this, right? Anybody know? I see that hand. Anyway, um, Everyone's looking. No, there was no hand going up. You see, the church, what's really cool about the church is the church is to be a family. And within a family, 
you, you learn how to do things. And if you have a healthy family, you learn some healthy interactions. And one of the desires when you actually um, bring people into leadership is you bring people as to elders and you bring them into ministry leadership positions. It's not about their passions, gifts. The reason the word of God calls for maturity is because as you have healthy people in those kind of positions, they model that kind of health and they actually train one another to be able to share and to give truth and to do so in ways that honor the Lord and actually build up strong relationships. So the first thing that is really necessary in this whole process of actually sharing and hearing truth is to ask yourself this simple question. How open are you to the truth in your life? How open are you to the truth? It's really a question of do you really want to grow? Are you willing to to say, God, like I said last week, one of the keys is do you want wisdom and how badly do you want wisdom in your life? Are you willing to listen to someone share the truth with you even if it hurts? Are you willing to tell the truth to someone even though you fear their reaction? Those are two important. That's, that's really the question of how open are you to the truth? How much do you want wisdom? How much do you really want to grow? Because if you don't answer those two questions and, and answer them in a way where you say, yes, I'm willing to hear the truth, even if it hurts, and I'm willing to share or tell the truth, even if I fear rejection or I fear their reaction or I fear whatever else. If you answer those two and say, yes, that, that would mean, at least from a verbal assent, that you want to grow. And it takes courage, I believe, to do both. Listen to Proverbs 15:12. Here is one of the Proverbs that I believe gives wisdom. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. How badly do you want to hear the truth? How much do you want to grow? Well, a mocker is one who resents correction. The message states it this way. This paraphrase of, of this word of God says that know-it-alls don't like being told what to do. Ever come across a know-it-all? Can't tell them anything. They avoid the company of the wise men, of wise men and women. In a sense, the fool doesn't want to hear and they won't listen. They avoid contact actually with those who don't agree with them. Now, I want to share with you, just because you might share what you think is the truth with someone and, and they don't agree with you or they don't um, say yes and go, oh, okay, I hear what you have to say and I agree, doesn't mean they haven't heard it. What's interesting, I remember when I was in my first ministry and one of the things that God was beginning to teach me was how to, in the sense of being open about the truth, how to actually um, hear truth and yet still hold to my position and he was teaching me how to not do it defensively. And one of the things that, that God was teaching me is that when someone comes to me in opposition and may share the truth, what often can happen, and you may find this in your life, if someone shares something with you that you don't agree, it's often in, in a dysfunctional sense. A person will cut off the relationship because there's disagreement means like this. You, you avoid that group or that person. And I remember when I was working through this, and I, as I shared last week, I was working through some things in my life, and I was with an advisor, counselor person who was sharing how to grow in some of these areas in my life, and he just was helping me say, you know what? You can learn, as you learn to disagree, to be in good relationship with people. You don't have to just pull apart. 
That's a skill. That's a choice. I like what Kevin had to say about worship. Everything we do in life is a choice. How you enter into something is a choice. And do you want to grow? Do you want to be open? So with this individual, at one point, here I was. I was about 30 years of age, and this individual was in a position in the church where I had to ask him, and he was about 50, to step down from leadership. And that was a really difficult thing to do, and I sought to do it in a very loving way, and I was afraid. And I remember saying, through that process, I want to maintain relationship. I want to stay close. Even though we may not agree, I want to stay in this process, because more important than being right or wrong in this sense is being in right relationship. And... We continued in, in this ministry for a number of years, and, and, and I wouldn't say we were particularly close, but I was a pastor in relationship with this person. I hadn't seen this person for quite some time. This was years ago, and here I am on the golf course uh, at a, at a um, fundraiser ministry. And um, if you think less that I golf every week, no. Um, in June, and, I'm, and, this, and this arm comes around me, it's kind of bigger guy and goes, preacher. I look up and it's this individual. Looks at me and goes, good to see you here. And I want to ask you something. He's about 70 some years of age. When I die, will you do my funeral? <laughs> I was so honored. Because here's a gentleman who I think Really, as I looked at his, some of his home life and some of the ways that he had grown up and some of the difficulties, here was a man who was willing to hear the truth. And through this process, even though I felt at times a disagreeable spirit and, and those kind of things, we stayed in relationship. And one of the greatest joys in my life is to have someone come up to me at another point in my life and say, our relationship is so good. But I'd really like you to be there at one of the most important points in my life. How open are you to the truth? Proverbs 16, 13 says this. And it, it causes you to ask, do you see a person coming to you with the truth as a friend or an enemy? Do they come to bring pain into your life or do they come to bring to help you? Kings take pleasure in honest lips, says 16, 13 of Proverbs. They value a man or a woman who speaks the truth. Again, the message says good leaders cultivate honest speech. They love advisors who tell them the truth. Any good businessman wants someone to tell you the truth because you know bad choices can lead to some really bad consequences. And so there's this desire to say, I want to hear the truth. I want to be told the truth. And even if it should come from someone who opposes me or someone I see as my enemy, instead of seeing them as my enemy and someone who opposes me, God, if there's something true in there that I need to hear, then I want to hear it. Do you have that heart? Do you see the, if, if someone comes to you with truth, do you see God as truth behind that, even though they may actually want to hurt you? We're going to talk about how to receive that a little bit later in the message. But the reality is, a lot of times it's very true that an enemy, when they come to you, one of the reasons they can hurt you the most is because it's not that they come and told. If they came with some stupid charge that was completely false, you would have no problem with it, right? But usually they come with just a bit of the truth, they push it in there, and then they turn it. So how do you handle it? Do you even want to hear the truth in those kind of situations? So how do you share the truth? Let's talk about that first. 
How do you share the truth? A fool is proud. There is no humility in a fool. They imagine themselves as never being wrong. Proverbs 17.10 says this, A rebuke impresses a man of discernment. More than a hundred lashes, a fool. The idea is you hardly hardly have to whisper to someone who is a a wise person. You just have to say, you know, Kevin, I just wanted to tell you this. And and you hear that discerning person hears the truth and enters into their heart. Whereas a fool, you've got to whack them on the head a hundred times and it still doesn't get in. So how do you cultivate the heart of one who's wise, who can hear the truth? See, the fool does not only want to not hear the truth, but the other side of it is they love to share their own thoughts and opinions. Because they can't imagine themselves being wrong. They think that they're the expert on everything. So Proverbs 18.2 says this, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding. They don't care to understand. They don't care to take the time to listen. They don't care to understand your perspective. They just want to voice what they want. And so he says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, verse 2 of 18, but delights in airing his own opinions. So how do you share the truth? A humble person shares the truth humbly. He's, for instance, willing to wait for the right time. Doesn't need to push it and rush it and make it happen right away. The moment it comes to him, he doesn't need to air his thought. The humble person waits. As Proverbs 15.23 says, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good it is, is a timely word. Not only is he willing to wait for the right time, he's willing to be gentle. I mean, most people who are humble are also meek, as it says in the Word of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit that speaks about, about the ability. Meekness is like this a horse. And you ever seen a horse, how powerful they are? They can when they just explode. I was on, we have some horses, and I was riding horses just a couple weeks ago. We're going through, and I'm talking with this other individual. And all of a sudden, my horse, I don't know what it's, half the time I don't know what they see, but saw something and jumped, and my leg ended up here, and it was explosive. They have that. And, and, and the idea of meekness is this idea of, of, of a person who is in truth can either share it meekly or can do it so explosively they can hurt you. They have all the grounds, all the right. They have you pinned down. In fact, the word for truth in the Old Testament is the idea of taking like a wrestler and pinning someone to the ground. But this person, instead of taking the truth to pin you to the ground and really make you feel it and explosively using the strength of that truth to really put you in your place, comes to you meekly. Trained, in a sense, under the authority of God. Because the purpose of the person who is sharing truth is never, ever to be right and to put you in your place. The purpose of sharing truth is to help a person grow and develop and mature and to do so in such a way that your desire is to see something occur in that person's life. Now, sometimes as leaders, you have to put a person in their place. You have to give a time out. We've talked about that in the book of Titus a number of uh, months ago. But there are times when you have to do that for their sake and for the sake of others because of the disruptiveness. But it's always done gently. 1523 says, how good is a timely word done with meekness. Gentleness is a quality always of a wise person. Proverbs 15.1 says this, 
A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Again, the humility, the gentleness that shows in a person who is willing to give the word at the right time, to put the word in the right way in order to get the truth across, not because they want to be right, but because they want to see transformation in another person's life, is also the kind of person who is gentle when they get into discussion, when they're involved in that, rather than responding harshly when something is said or could be taken as a personal attack, whatever, they respond with gentleness. And instead of using a harsh, angry moment to accelerate, in a sense, like an accelerant on a fire, instead, they have the ability, again, trained, in a sense, desiring that the Spirit controls their self. They give that word in a way that's gentle in response. Wisdom and humility means understanding when something is about truth or values. Another way I like to talk about this is to ask this question. When you're talking with someone about truth, it is very, very wise to ask yourself, is this uppercase capital T God's truth? Or is it lowercase little t? Is it ultimate truth you're talking about? Or are you talking more about your truth and potentially your opinion or your way of seeing things? It's important that you know that when you share this with someone. We know for certain in the Word of God, and I'll share this very, very forthrightly so people don't feel like in some way I'm talking about there's a relative truth. There is a relative truth in regard to relationship to the thing that you might see. But what is ultimate and absolute truth is very clear in God's Word. There are some things that you just can read the word of God and it's very clear. And he says, these are absolutes, these are truths you just always abide by. Don't steal, don't lie, don't gossip. Murder, he says, is not necessarily a good thing. Um, That was a joke. Anyway, um, be generous. Care for the poor. Do good. I mean, those are absolutes. There's no question about that. There's other, what I call big T truths, revealed in God's word. Jesus is God. He tried to make that very clear. I've been reading through the book of John. It is, as I read through the, the, the gospel of John, I cannot believe how you could read there without seeing very clearly that John is making the point that Jesus is God. And if you then take John and say, was John telling the truth? Was he a liar? And you go through all that and you, you can say that as an author, he was sharing what he actually saw, experienced, and he was telling it with truth. Then you have to say that's Jesus and Jesus was saying he was God. And there's no doubt about it. And the scripture is very clear that salvation comes to him, that we are sinners, that we are in need of grace and mercy. There are some absolute truths that are important. In fact, a great book, I shared about this, I shared this last week, an incredibly good book in this day and age that I think is one of the best apologetics and written in a way that's almost a C.S. Lewis kind of style. Is this called The Reason for God? Belief in an Age of Skepticism by Timothy Keller. Great book if you want to really um, understand some of the basic questions that are occurring today and how absolute truth um, really relates to it. But there are little T truths as well, and we need to be careful not to put our cultural, personal values at the level of the big T truth when it comes to relationships, when it comes to the way we do things within a church. There are beliefs that we have that are, that are what we said absolute big T, but there are also some things that we experience that we know that are really little T. They're the kind of truths that it's important you're humble about because the wise person is humble. A few weeks ago, I met with some people and we were discussing some things that we weren't seeing eye to eye about. And at one point I said, you know, I was offended and I felt attacked. 
And this individual said, wait, wait a second, I wasn't attacking you, I was just stating some facts and some truths. And I said, no, I was telling you, I felt attacked. And what was really interesting is he went back and said, no, I was, and, and I said, you know, you're right, and I appreciate the fact that what you said, I will take you at your word. Because that's my little T truth. You know what's really difficult is when you elevate something you feel or your sense about yourself, and then you put it on someone else and you say, you did this to me. That destroys relationships. That destroys communication. People don't hear it. Now, I'm not saying that in a case like that, the person was or was not attacking. That's for that person to begin to. For in a, in a situation like that, when, when if someone was to say that to me, one of the things you can do is you can begin to start to process yourself and saying, did I come off that way? Can I? There are things we can do, and I'll talk about that in a moment. So I don't disregard. If you came to me and said, I felt, and in this sermon, that you used this pulpit to do something to to, you know, like as a, to bully me. My response is, oh, get lost. I was just saying facts. No, my response is to go to the Lord and say, Lord, is there something true in this? Because we want to what? The goal is to what? It's to grow. It's to become more like who? Not like mom and dad. <laughs> it's to become more like Jesus and how he worked and related to people. Now, as I said, there is a way of discerning between big T and little t truths. There is a way that's important for you to discern. In fact, if you're here today and you're in a position where you're not even sure the Bible is true, there is a way. There's a way to ask and go to people that you know that are really credible. It's, there's a way also to go and begin to start asking the Lord and saying, God, if this is really true and you're really God, I want you and I'm asking you to reveal yourself to me. There are ways to open your heart to God. But it calls for humility. So how do you receive truth? There is a way, a process. Listen again to Proverbs 17.10. A rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes a fool. Again, the Amplified Bible says it this way. A reproof enters deeper into the man of understanding than a hundred lashes into a self-confident fool. A reproof enters deeper into the man of understanding than a hundred lashes into a self-confident fool. So how do you grow into sermon? How do you become a person who can hear the whisper of reproof from the lips of someone who you are not real safe with? How do you not be like a fool who always has to learn the hard way? And let me tell you, I have taken the hard path more than I'd have liked to. And I'm sure some of you have as well. So how do you do this? There is a godly way to become wise and discerning and always learning kind of a person. You can actually learn to hear the truth from anyone, even your spouse, guys. Here's the process. The first thing I would tell you to do is that when someone talks to you and someone shares with you and they, and they share something, instead of taking and letting it go right to your heart, and really what happens is here's the choice normally. It goes right to your heart or you basically disregard it. Now, here's the process that I think is incredibly helpful no matter who is talking to you, especially in these more kind of slicey, dicey kind of things. What you need to do is take it, and as these words come at you in a sense, you ever played catch? Okay, the, the word like a ball is coming at you, and you grab it and hold it. Okay? Don't catch it with your chest. Don't try and knock it down. You actually take it, and you grab it, and you hold it. 
and you let it sit there. And what you do is what I, what I call is you create space. You create distance from your heart. It's important that you don't take it in. You, you create distance from your heart. You create space. And there's another type of space you create, not just distance in the sense of space from your heart, but you also create space, distance in the sense of time. You don't need to respond to that right away. One of the best things to do is say, boy, that's really interesting. I, I'm not sure I quite grasp what you're saying in my heart, but I'm going to hold it here. And I'm going to take some time and I'm going to begin to start praying about if this could be true. You create space, distance in the sense of time. You hold it in your hands for a period of time. And here's, here's what I've learned to do. Here's what David seems to say in Psalm chapter 4. He uses anger. He says, don't let it, you don't, you know, in your anger, do not sin. And then he talks about going to your bed, lying down and being silent. It's the same kind of principle. It's the same principle that he, he holds it. He basically takes it and then he gets silent before the Lord. And here's the second thing he does. He says, God, this was thrown at me possibly like a fast pitch. And I'm going to give it to you, God. And here's how you give it to God. In my case, what I do is in the morning, when I take my time before the Lord, I usually journal. And I'll start journaling the transaction of actually what occurred and what was said. And then I'll say, God, you were there. You're here right now. You have the ability to share with me. If there's something true, I want to know it. And I want to see it. And I take God's word and I spend that time and I give it to God. Some of you may do it in the way where you go on a walk and you just reflect on it and you give it to God and you say, God, is there something true in here? And ask God for the ability to see it. And then, then the, the third thing that I do in some cases, not always, but the third thing I'll do is I'll give it to others. Not in gossip, not at all. In fact, I don't even necessarily choose the people that might be on my side often. I'll actually try and choose a group, maybe three or four or five different people who see it from different angles. And I'll actually go and I'll give it to them and say, here's what, help me see. Is this, is there something I need to pay attention to here? I, uh, I remember uh, just a few weeks ago, um, and one of the elders said after a meeting, uh, he, he kind of said the next day we had lunch and um, I could tell that some things were just not necessarily way should be. At least I was hoping in my heart, I was praying about it. And so we had lunch, and he basically said, you know, you kind of dominated that meeting. It was really hard to disagree because of how strong your opinion was. And I said, you're wrong. You're nuts. No, I didn't say that. Um, and he was so gracious in giving the truth because he said to me, you know, I could have had a bad day. It could have been just me. You know, he just... And I said, no, no, don't back off on this one. I, I really want to know this and I want to grow. And so I asked about five other elders, different ones who I felt would. And three of them said, no, I didn't, I didn't feel that. And, one, and two of them said, yeah, I can kind of see that. So now I say nothing at elder meetings. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Um, you can there's a scripture that's important here. In his giving it to others. Proverbs says this not just once, but a number of times. Proverbs 11:14 says, For the lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory sure. It says that twice in Proverbs. So it's a probably a pretty wise thing to have advisors. 
Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And I'm not just thinking that this is about plans, this is about growth, this is about maturity, this is about bringing people in your life. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting you do this all the time. I'm suggesting if you have difficulty that you begin this process of beginning to, to hear the truth where you hold it out here, you catch it, you begin to take time, keep it away from your heart, you take time at some other point and you give it to God. You ask God, is there anything in it? And if God begins to maybe nudge a little bit, then it might be wise to go to someone else or a few other people and say, do you see the same thing? And you can help people receive truth as well. You can help a person by the way you present truth. Some people have a hard time hearing. They hear opinions as oughts. They hear suggestions as shoulds. And if you see that in a person, you can sometimes, like a person did early in my ministry, was sharing with me, you know, I don't like it when people clap after they sing. And, you know, I would certainly get defensive. Well, you know, you've got to understand that's the way our culture responds. They, they don't say amen today, but instead of clapping, it's not really necessarily all about them. You've got to realize, you know, and, I, and he goes, you know, I was just telling you my opinion. <laughs> you just need to understand. Sometimes it's just helpful to say, you know, I was just telling you what I thought. wasn't asking you to do anything. But if you grow up in a real directive kind of family, you hear a lot of, don't you? You hear a lot of... Sh- suggestions as shoulds. There's a lot of coded language like, you know, I really think this needs a little more salt. Isn't that I think it's my opinion it needs more salt. It's better. You better put some more salt in that thing. And you can help people in sharing truth and hearing truth. Now, at this point, I'm going to ask the ushers if the ushers are ready. We're going to hand out some what I call proverb cookies. Okay? In these proverb cookies... Our statements, if you get the lucky one, you win a million dollars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I, was, I was sharing with the team when we were putting this together. You know what? We'll probably get charged for being new age with this, but no. These are just cookies, and in them we have asked, and they have put some of the proverbs that I've used in this message. Okay, So why don't you guys come down and hand them out, and when you get it, take just a second and go like this, and then stop, and, and no more doing this with the little thing. Okay? If, if you have to feel you got to... Don't open it. Please don't open it right now. Okay? Yeah, there we go. That's enough. I knew that you would do it right away. As you get this, I just want to share with you, in here are five different Proverbs that I've used from this message today. I don't know which one you've got, and I'm not suggesting in any way that if you get this certain one, God is saying, this is about you. Okay? Now, now be open to the fact that it could be. Okay? But I want you to realize that when you do get this and you open it another time and you open this proverb, just take it this week. Put it on your dashboard, put it in your mirror, put it in your wallet, put it in your pocket, put it someplace. And just ask the Lord through this week, God, speak to me about this. For instance, a mocker resents correction. It speaks to openness to hearing truth. Are you open to it? Proverbs 15, 12. You may get Proverbs 17:10, which says a rebuke impresses a man of discernment and say, God, I really want to be a person of discernment. I want to see where I'm so full of my own opinion in an area. Proverbs 51, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word serves a banger. It may be this week you just pray and say, God, I want to learn how to answer gently. Proverbs 15:23, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? Basically say, God, as you put that up there, I'm going to look this week 
um, to not rush having to tell someone the truth. I want to do it according to your time. Proverbs 25:11. Do you seek right words, a word picture, a word aptly spoken is like apples of golden settings of silver. That word which you labor over and you say, God, help me share this, can be put in such a way that it's beautiful in the life of someone else. Well, let's stand. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Take your word. Help us to be people who are really, really desiring to, open to, and then get really good at being able to share and hear the truth so that we can be like Jesus. Amen.